Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello and welcome to Better Living, a show about the people and organizations that make an impact in our area. I'm your host, Nick Carissimi. Two groups on today's show in the second half of the program. Ona Foster with Family Compass joins me in studio to talk about building healthy families as well as an upcoming golf tournament. We start off with the Texas State Guard. To my left is Brigadier General Robert Hastings, commander of the Texas State Guard's Army component. Sir, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Good to meet you today. It's great meeting you too. Uh, This is a fascinating organization, but one that I don't think a lot of Texans know about, which is kind of ironic because Texans love the state of Texas, and this is our militia. Am I correct? Yeah. So I think the word uh, the word militia is is legally correct. It's a loaded term, it's but loaded I did think term. it was cool when yeah. I was researching the organization. It's is it our private army? Is it the Texas state's private army? Yeah. So let me uh, put a little context around your question there, if I could. Sure. So it, the militia has played a role in in uh, United States history to all the way back to the the revolution and prior, and here in Texas in particular, in our Texas history, we know that the you know, the story of the Alamo and Gonzales and Has and the roots that. with Stephen F. Austin, I think? It goes all the way back there. And so legally, that is still, in fact, we are the Texas State uh, Militia. Uh, but there's a lot of baggage around that word because anybody— This is militia in a good way. Anybody can call themselves a in militia. In a good way. So we call ourselves the uh, the state military agency. Okay. So uh, if, I can, if I can just take a second, everybody is sort of familiar with the National Guard. And so the National Guard has a dual role of being able to respond to the state's needs under the authority of the governor and then switching to a federal role under the authority of the president. We're very similar to the National Guard, but we have only that state role. So there's no legal authority for the federal government to employ the state guard and send it somewhere. So that, that I find is very appealing to a lot of people here in the state who can sign up, do their military service, and know that they're actually serving Texans here within the state of Texas. It's fascinating. Let's talk a little bit about uh, what you do for the organization. What do you do for the organization? Yeah, so I command what's called the Army Component. So the Texas State Guard mirrors what many people understand about the federal forces, right? We have an Army element, an air element, a maritime element, and a medical element. We call them components. And so that part of the Texas State Guard that looks like the United States Army is the part that I command. It's about 1,000 soldiers, and we focus on disaster response principally. And that is one of the, going to be one of the biggest things that we talk about is the disaster relief that you guys are a part of. You are a big part of helping Texans during the hurricane last year down in Houston. Um, are you involved in any type of what we would consider standard military operations? Is there anything happening with guns, let's say? Yeah, so the answer to the gun part of the question is no, because with the role we fulfill with here in the state, there's really no reason to arm the Texas State Guard. Um, we work side by side with the National Guard. And so if there was a requirement that the governor had, he's got National Guard forces that, that are trained and ready to, to pursue that. Okay. So we focus our training really on that skill set that, that the, the governor counts on us to do, and that's disaster response. 
Having said that, though, the basic soldier skills, communicating, coordinating, logistics, supply, uh, command and control, all of that that makes a military organization function is what we bring to a disaster. And so oftentimes you'll find many, many people showing up on a disaster site willing to help. The difference with the State Guard is we show up with an organization. We're trained. We're, res we're ready. We're responsible. We have our own logistics. We have our own command and control. And it makes us much more effective in a disaster response than other organizations that might show up. Having said that, we partner with a lot of people. And that's also part of the training we do is how do we completely integrate with civil authorities, with the, the federal authorities when they show up, and with local uh, law enforcement, local emergency responders. Top-tier civil servants. You guys are really doing the things that are going to benefit people, and you're working with everybody in a way that is going to benefit other people. Absolutely. And I think uh, if I could tell one short story, back during the hurricane that we, we just talked about, I had the opportunity to walk through the, the mega shelter that was here in Dallas, built up at the time. And if you walked through there, uh, like I did that day, you would see local law enforcement, local fire, emergency management. There were female people there, Salvation Army, Red Cross, churches, community organizations, medical organizations. The list just went on and on. And one of the great things we have in our country, and I think Texas does it probably better than anybody, is the interagency coordination. Mm. And we actually plan and train for that in advance so that we roll into we roll into organizations. We just work together very well. So you guys are going to be the glue that are going to keep all these people together and working. Uh, I don't know if we're the only glue, but we're part of that. We, we bring an important part of the ingredient uh, into that recipe. I, w I was researching you uh, before you came in today for the interview, and you have a, a, a very fascinating resume. You were in the Army, correct? That is correct. All right. What did you do in the military? Yeah, so I did about 22 years of active duty. Most of that time I was a combat aviator, so I flew Cobra attack helicopters. That's kind of what I was getting at. Yeah. I am fat. Those are absolutely gorgeous pieces of machinery. You were saying, right, I actually cut you off before you started talking about it. You said that they were the Corvette of helicopters. Yeah, so to, to go back there, and you got me smiling big, right, because it's a, it's a, one of my favorite things to talk about. Uh, first of all, the Army is a great place for young people to go because of the opportunities. At 18 years old, I joined the Army, found myself within a year flying attack helicopters. It was Cobras at the time. It's the sexiest flying helicopter there is. They're gorgeous. It's got guns on it. You can shoot and blow things up. Um, <laughs> And and for a young uh, for a young pilot, it it was a blast, and I learned a lot about flying. I I, I fly still today. Uh, what do you so fly it was today? A great opportunity. Whatever I can get my hands on. Planes and helicopters, or just helicopters? No, planes and helicopters. Wow, very uh, interesting. Tr truth is, I'm an executive in a in a civilian corporation these days, so I I go home every day and tell my wife I flew a desk all day. But <laughs> okay, wait. All right, so that I didn't actually realize. So you are the brigadier general. You are a brigadier general. Uh, for the Texas State Guard, but you also hold, let's say, a regular job? Yeah, so the, the State Guard is just like the National Guard. We're citizen soldiers, so I have a full, I pay the mortgage with a full-time job, and I serve in the State Guard uh, part-time around that. I've, I would have figured that such a high-ranking member, it would have been a dedicated job for you. I, I understand that's, the idea that you're saying, and that's how those reserve forces work, but I, I would figure somebody of your stature within the organization was going to be full-time, but you've got a regular... Regular job type job, as they say. You got a real job and a real mortgage to pay. <laughs> All right. Well, that's uh, that makes it even more fascinating. Let's let's go ahead and and talk a little bit more about relief. This is what you were saying. The organization primarily focuses on. Has that always been a part of the Texas State Guard, or is that something that has developed over the years? So it, 
uh, like all organizations, we mature, right? And every every experience, every opportunity we have to exercise, we get better at it and we maybe more refine what it is we're doing. But I would tell you, uh, in recent history, it's been really focused on that disaster response and homeland security. If you really trace our history, you can go back and look at World War II, where the, uh, where the Army was completely gone, the National Guard was completely gone, the State Guard did a lot of what you would call more military things here in the state, guarding or refineries guarding the ports, guarding the airports, that kind of stuff. But I'd say in in recent history, 20 or 30 years, it's been really focused on that disaster response mission. How long have you been with the Texas State Guard? Uh, I've been in the state. I moved here in 2010, and I joined the State Guard the month I moved here. That's a good chunk of time. I mean, you've been with them for a long time. Was it odd having a non-Texan be a part of the Texas State Guard? Have people given you a hard time about this? Does this come up? So one of the things that I love about Texas— is the weekend that I came here for my job interview, I felt at home. I absolutely felt at home here in Texas. It's, it's the, it's my, I live here now. I'm never going to go anywhere else if I have any control over it. It's a wonderful place to live. And I really think it connects right back into the Texas State Guard. It's Texans serving Texans is what we talk about. Did you move down here to be a part of the Guard or was it just kind of fortuitous? No, I just, it worked out. I came here for a job opportunity. Okay. All right. And so, and so you, you signed up. Were you? What was your first job with the Texas State Guard? When I first came here in 2010, I was the director of public affairs for the State okay. Guard. And that's what you do in your professional life. That's what correct? I do. That's what I do for a living. Yes. Okay. All right. Now let, let's let's go back a little bit more to uh, Hurricane Harvey. Talk to me about what the Texas State Guard had to do for Texans during that disaster. When the hurricane is coming in, are you guys mobilizing and getting ready, or do you wait until the aftermath and then show up? So we watch the weather all year long. Uh, it's not just hurricane season. Uh, you know, we have the storm seasons with flash floods. We have the fire season that has impacts. Mm. So we watch the weather all year long. But as hurricane season comes, we begin to particularly pay attention to that. And so we were watching it. Uh, not just us. It comes from the governor's office down through the Department of Emergency Management into the Texas military department. So it, the levels of, of kind of escalating the watch get higher as storms begin to form. And we saw Harvey coming. And as everybody knows, Harvey didn't behave exactly like we thought it was going to. But uh, it, but in the case of Harvey, we had, um, I want to say I was commanding the Fort Worth Regiment at the time. We had our leadership team in the armory about three or four days ahead of time going through our checklist, going through our equipment, making sure the alert rosters are all good, calling everybody, making sure they were calling their employers and telling them what was happening. And then uh, and then when we saw where the storm, how the storm was developing, uh, we were able to load up and get down south. So I can I can vividly remember that Sunday morning uh, rolling out of Fort Worth and leading the, the convoy down into the storm uh, and uh, and getting getting busy with it. Heading into the storm, what kind of feeling do you have in your position when you're on the way down to something like this? Is there a is there an energy that you feel because you're prepared? Is there an apprehension because you don't know what's going to happen or how bad the storm is going to be? I mean, just like anybody else that has to deal with a natural disaster, we're not sure exactly how bad it's going to be until it's all over. So from your position, what is that feeling like when you guys are rolling out, getting ready to go? So I'd say the answer to your question is yes and yes. Right? <laughs> so there's, uh, so there is energy because it's what we signed up for. It's what we trained for. It's what we're ready for. There's apprehension because there's the unknown. Uh, I think the thing that is on most people's mind is uh, we sign up to respond to these disasters. We train and prepare for them. But we always in the back of our minds pray that we never have to go and do the job because that means somebody's in trouble. When I'm leading uh, troops and we're going out to a shelter somewhere, it just means they're in a shelter because they've lost their house. 
And uh, one of the things we spend a lot of time in the Texas State Guard talking about is, is understanding what our clients, and we call them that, what our clients are going through, right? When a family has shown up in a shelter and we're trying to help them get situated, what's on their mind? They're, they're not worried about you right now. They're worried about the house they left and they're worried about the grandma. Where's she at? Is she, do we know where she's at? Where's the dog? You know, what's going to happen when we get back home? So, um, so I'd say there's a, there's a lot of emotions involved on that first day when you're heading into the storm. What are some of the first things that you're going to do when you do arrive? When the Texas State Guard got down there to help with the storm, where's the first place that you start? Yeah, so we, we, there were a number of missions that we picked up. But uh, in the big picture, uh, usually early in a storm, when the evacuations are going on, we bring uh, one skill set that only the State Guard delivers right now, and it's called the Emergency Tracking Network. And so it's sort of like the band you get on your wrist when you go in a hospital that makes sure they know who you are all the time. The minute evacuees or our people that need assistance touch the system anywhere, they get this little wristband. And they have a unique code, and we can tell where they are all the time. Now, to tell you the truth, we don't do that so we know where they are. We do it so they know where their families are at, and their families know where they're at. And so, and so emergency managers know how many people are coming, so we know how many buses to order. Uh, we ban wheelchairs. We ban walkers. We ban the pet carriers that they bring with them. So we can keep track of all that stuff because one of the things we learned, I talked to you earlier about learning storm after storm, if you go all the way back to Katrina, families lost each other because the evacuation happened so fast. What we can do with the emergency tracking network is someone can go, once they get to a shelter, we know where they're at, they can actually go to the emergency manager and go, but my, my mother-in-law left on a bus last night. Where's she at? And the system can tell you that. I don't know anything about that system. How effective is it? Do you like that system? Absolutely. It works very well. And so we've matured it, and it's gone from foot lockers full of gear to now it actually works off of uh, personal devices that we hold in our hands. Is, it, is that something for the, from the Texas State Guard, or is this a system that other people around the country use? This is a Texas system. Really? Developed here in Texas. So, again, I, you know, this is a message that I carry out and I talk to people all the time. The state of Texas takes care of business. That's amazing. Right. And so we have this system now. I, I would tell you we've had it for a number of years. I'm, I imagine it's been exported to other places because it works so well. Well, I hope so. But it works well here in Texas. And so the very first thing we do when a storm is coming is we get the, we call it ETN, Emergency Tracking Network. We get the ETN teams out, and they start tracking people getting on buses, getting on airplanes, getting on the road. And then we're, we're receiving them at the big shelters, tracking them in so we know where they arrived. About the same time, when we see it's going to be a big shelter operation like Hurricane Harvey was, eventually 35,000 people were sheltered in the first couple of days there. Shelters start locally. So the shelters initially are churches and schools and community centers and civic centers and high school gyms and all of that. And so we put little six-person teams into all those shelters to help them operate. We're not going to run them ourselves um, they're run by local communities. The churches run their own shelters. The schools run, school districts run their own. We put the manpower into them mm. and help them operate. The Red Cross usually rolls in there with the blankets and the cots and the food supplies and that. And then as we see the storm um, mature and see where it develops, then, what, then the state starts to open the mega shelters because that's the most effective way of caring for people. And so a, a great example is we had the KBH here in Dallas uh, shelter open up. Uh, I think they were uh, set up for about 10,000 people, and it was pretty full there for a while. So people will come out of those little first shelters, the schools and the churches, and they'll be moved into the bigger shelters where they can be more effectively cared for. And so our teams move right along with them.
especially off-site, like you were saying, you brought people to Dallas for shelter. The tracking system that you guys use, does that help dictate where people are going to go? It's absolutely essential that our, our emergency management officials know how many people are where and where they came from and where they got to get back to. Because they've now, as soon as someone's evacuated, the planning starts right away as to how do we care for them, what are their needs, and then how do we get them back home. Are you guys active with rescue? Are you actually going out and picking people out of water or rescuing them from homes? Is that part of it? It absolutely is. So, again, within the Texas State Guard, there are there are units that have special tasks. We have what we call a maritime regiment. Maritime regiment has boats. And so the first kind of 48 hours when the water really rose in, in Houston a lot faster than anyone predicted, uh, we brought about 1,300 people from some location they were at that they couldn't take care of themselves into the shelters by going out with our boats and bringing people in. 1,300 people. 1,300, right. And I haven't even gone over this. How many people are a part of the Texas State Guard? So right now we're about 2,000 people across the state. Okay. Uh, Earlier we talked about the governor had kind of talked about can we get more. So we're looking at how do we expand that. Uh, We're looking to, to grow at least twice that size. I was going to ask, so right now you're you're it would be great if you guys were at the four or five thousand yeah, person so, mark. Is yeah. that is that really where you want to be? Yeah, so that's kind of a mental number we've got up on the wall. So what the governor asked for us to do was to grow, right? To be able to bring more resources when a big storm like that uh, comes upon Texas. We're we're going through the planning process now because uh, it's it's costly, right? If you want to have horses like that, so can we afford it? How much can we afford? How would we staff? How would we train? Can we, in fact, recruit and sustain that many people? There's a lot of work that goes into figuring out just how big and how far and how fast we can grow. Was the push for recruitment because of the hurricane and and people realizing how important the Texas State Guard was? So we've always worked hard at recruiting. Um, but, yeah, I, the bottom line is we had a hurricane. We showed the world. I mean, Texas showed the world what uh, what a state can do when it takes when it's prepared and it takes care of its citizens appropriately. And in that, when we look back at it, we saw just how effective the Texas State Guard was as part of that. And so it kind of gave us a added incentive to kind of focus on growing the force. I'm speaking with Brigadier General Robert Hastings of the Texas State Guard, commander of the Texas State Guard's Army component. Google them if you want to find them online. Just look for Texas State Guard. Who is a part of this organization? How do you get signed up to be a part of the Texas State Guard? Let's talk recruitment. Absolutely. So, uh, so to kind of go to the official answer first, any Texas resident can join the Texas State Guard. You have to be 18 to 70 years old. You have to be able to pass a background check, so a clean criminal record. If you have served in the military before, you have to have had an honorable discharge. You have to be in good health, and you have to meet our height weight standards, which is kind of hand-in-hand hand with that good health. That's basically the, the, the loophole that you have to fit into to join. Who we're looking for is really everybody. There's an opportunity for everyone to serve. So there are specialty skills like doctors, lawyers, nurses, um, uh, chaplains, uh, communications people, IT specialists, cyber specialists. But then if you're just, uh, if you work in a radio station and you want to come join the Texas State Guard, then we will train you to fulfill those roles, shelter operations, emergency tracking. We have search and rescue teams. So, um, so I, I tell you, it's people from all walks of life. And from every corner of the state, we've got units, uh, no matter where you are, you can probably be about an hour, hour and a half at the most from a unit that you could drill and train with. Do you go to boot camp? So we run our own training. 
it's it's not boot camp like people think about because we're not going to take you away from your job for months at a time. So we managed to stuff it into the weekends. Uh, so we, and it's mostly done locally. So if you were to join uh, uh, one of the two regiments that's here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, for example, you'd get a, a couple of weekends of training initially, and we really focus on the basic soldier stuff so that you know who you know what the Texas State Guard does. And then you'll go through uh, one or two weekends a month for a couple of months, and then you'll settle into the one week in a month routine that the rest of the soldiers are in. And and most people who come to us with no military training really take about a year worth of that exposure to get all their skills up to speed. Um, but but it's not particularly difficult, right? So um, that's why we like people who um, I think you'll find in the Texas State Guard the average age is a little bit higher than like people who join the army. We're not really looking for 17-year-olds that are ready to, to do a new adventure. We really find the people who do well and stay with us a long time are those that have been out of school for a little while. They're settled into their jobs. They're not competing with, do I need to go to work or do I, can I go to the guard? They're stable in their work. They're stable in their family lives. And it, that stability lets them spend more time with the guard. And so that's uh, pretty valuable to us. Are most of the members ex-military so it's not most. It's a high percentage. Uh, I actually don't know the number, but my my gut uh, would tell me we're about 50-50. Really? Right. So uh, the Texas State Guard is a great place for former soldiers like me who just, I mean, to tell you the truth, I, I love the camaraderie. I love the culture. I love the time that I spend with people who, who also spend time on active duty. Um, I like to say I like to put, get up and put my boots on on the weekend. Um, so that's what drew me back into the Texas State Guard. For those that have never served before, I get a lot of second chance kind of conversations with people. They'll tell me, you know, when I was 17, I had a choice, go to college or go in the Army. Well, I got a scholarship, so I went to college. And then when I got out of college, I was thinking, go in the Army or take a job. Well, I got a job. And then when I was a little older, I thought, now's my last chance to join the military, but I just got engaged. And so I actually have a lot of conversations with 30, 35-year-old people who say, God, you know, I, if I had only done that, I would have joined and would have served. You can still join and serve in the Texas State Guard if you miss that 17-year-old opportunity when you're 35 or 40 years old still. The camaraderie, I mean, without exception, any veterans groups that come in, that always comes up where guys, they leave the military and they're having a hard time, or even if they're not having a hard time, they miss that camaraderie and they miss being a part of something, and the Texas State Guard fills the gap for a lot of people. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, just from my own experience, there's a place in my heart for soldiers. There's a place in my heart for soldiering, and I, I fulfill that with my Texas State Guard obligations. You were saying it's one weekend a month. Is that it? Yeah. So, so the uh, so if you were to join up, the the rough schedule, right, is one drill a month. That's going to vary. So, uh, you you talked about the initial entry training. So we're going to ask a couple extra weekends on the front end to get in. Uh, there may be training classes that you go off to. We have professional military education, so as you advance and you become a corporal and then a sergeant and then a staff sergeant, there's training that goes with that that may entail other weekends. Uh, if you get a staff officer job, right? So if you are a if you're you have a, a bend for operations and you end up in operations, I talked earlier about watching the storms. Mm. Watching the storm becomes a full-time job almost when, when they, they come up there. So, uh, you know, I, for example, when there's a storm rolling up the coast, I'm sitting at work with one computer on doing my work, work, and the other computer up online watching the hurricane. So 
it, it kind of varies. But the commitment really is one week in a month. How do you juggle your job and your responsibilities with the Texas State Guard? I think you'd be a good example for people who are wondering, how does this actually work in the real world, especially when you've got to make a major commitment like going down south and helping people during a hurricane? Yeah. So that so that's a question that's asked not only for you know my guard versus job obligations, but just you know when I mentor people all over the place. How do you manage career and family and and uh, all the other? Needs I mean, in yeah, your life? this is applicable a, to anything. It's a balance really. of life thing, right? So I I try to find a balance. So I personally probably have a I have a higher demand because of my rank and my title. So I get up in the morning and I go online. I spend about an hour doing guard work in the morning before I go to work and do my other job. Hmm. And then I come back at the end of the day and I tap back in and do some more work at the end. So we do ask that everybody's in the guard, they come, that they go online and check their email every day, right? So you so you can tell what's happening, what's going on. And that's where we tell people to start watching out for the storms. Um, but I think the average person in the guard really, really has that one week in a month that we ask them to just put it on the calendar, block it off, make a commitment to be there with your team. What I find is that camaraderie thing we talked about before, those those guys and gals tend to, they start plugging in with each other other than that. And so uh, I've got a, there's a, a Facebook page for one of the units that I got invited to just last night, as a matter of fact, where this particular regiment has set up a, a, a physical fitness Facebook group for all the folks in that regiment that have decided they want to get in better shape. So they form their own kind of team gladiator and they get together other than that weekend, and they're working out to, to make sure they're in better shape. It really seems like you can take this as far as you want it to go. You really can. That's right. And so that's why, you know, I'd say this, there's an opportunity for everybody in the Texas State Guard, all walks of life in every corner of the state. What are you guys gearing up for now? It, when, when, you know, when you're thinking about what, what's, what's next, what are you training for currently? So today we are in the height of hurricane season. Right, so that's exactly where we're focused on now. So the hurricane season started the 1st of June. It's going to run out through the middle of the fall. Uh, hurricane Harvey's a perfect example. It came the last weekend of August. It was about the time everybody kind of thought, there's not going to be a hurricane this year. And then there it is. So today we're, we're diligently focused on the hurricane season that we're in. So we're keeping track of our training, keeping track of where people are at, making sure the rosters and the phone numbers are current. As new people come in, now, because we are we are getting a lot of folks in right now, it's kind of rapidly getting them into the organization so they contribute this year if that opportunity or that need arises. We're kind of running up against it, so this, this question might be too long, but is there anything that you guys learned about from the previous hurricane that you were working to implement in this season? Is there a big thing that you guys said, look, this needs to change, we're going to work on it and be prepared for it this time? So I don't know that there's anything big, right? So the I think the headline out of Harvey – is we really validated the concept that we were working on. and But what it did is it pointed out things that we needed to focus and put more effort on. One of those was the resources, right? So we got 1,000 people mobilized very quickly. We stayed mobilized at that level of strength for a couple of weeks, and we found we needed more people than that because it was a bigger, longer storm. So that's why the effort on recruiting now. Uh, the lessons learned reinforced the need to be uh, very um, good at civil-military interaction and coordination. So we're working on that to make sure that the lines of communication are open. We're talking more with our emergency partners. It validated that ETN mission. Mm. This was the first big storm we had that we had ETN available. So there's more training on ETN, more emphasis on getting that right. Do you guys have a betting pool going about when storms are going to hit? I think that this could be a lot of fun 
around the Barrack City guys. It could be, but I got to tell you, my official answer is we don't bet on storms. <laughs> uh, like I said earlier, you, you, you train for this. I'm absolutely committed, as is everybody in my command, and we pray every day that we have a boring existence and we never have to go and pull somebody out of water. Well, I'm glad that you guys are doing the work that you're doing. It's the Texas State Guard. I've been speaking with Brigadier General Robert Hastings. He's the commander of the Texas State Guard's Army component. If you're interested in this organization, Google them. Google the Texas State Guard. Join the Texas State Guard. Find them online and be a part of this wonderful organization. Sir, it was great speaking with you. I'd love to have you back, and uh, good luck during storm season. So, Nick, thank you for this opportunity. I'm, I'm happy to be here. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.